0: I'm Shauna Starr, host of The Shine Podcast. Today we have somebody incredibly special on the show today, and I've so been looking forward to our conversation and sharing that with you. As you know, we get to always talk about things growing, not just in our business, but also our personal life. And Monique Allen is such an incredible soul, and I'm excited to jump right in. But first, Want to give a quick recap of who she is. She is an incredible woman, first of all, so full of wisdom here. And she also is the author of Stop Landscaping, Start Lifescaping. So we talk about what lifescaping is. And she is also the owner of a landscaping business. So she's just incredible. But we go through concepts and coaching and branding, team building and also what burnout looks like, feminine and masculine energy, and really why you want to do the work that you do. So let's jump right in. Today, Monique Allen is here on the show, and I've been really looking forward to our conversation about lifescaping and burnout in business. But before we jump into that, too, will you tell us about lifescaping, what it is, the application of it, and all about it?
1: yeah absolutely. So thanks for uh, having me, Sean. I really appreciate the opportunity to be on your podcast. I've listened to several of the episodes and had like some really good takeaways. So um really appreciate what you're doing. Um, lifescaping. lifescaping is the culmination of um, decades of work. I started working in the landscape business in my late teens. Um, I'm in my mid fifties. So you do the math. <laughs> it's been a long time. Um, and it clearly, like, I didn't know, I didn't know the term lifescaping. scaping. Um, it's not a term that is unique to me necessarily of, you know, other people sort of say the word, but what was happening for me is that I was seeing something in the land and what I was seeing was the over-commoditization of a practice, landscaping. And uh, it got really you know, when I first started, there weren't cell phones, there wasn't internet, there were very few women actually doing it. And um, we didn't have HDTV, we didn't have cable. I mean, you know, so when cable and internet and Martha Stewart, and you know, all of this came in, it became very much a fad and interesting. And it became very profit centric, product centric. And, um, you know, I was fine. I was right. I was doing it. I was right in there with everybody else. But then all of a sudden, I started to see two main things happening. One thing was I was seeing what I would call feature scaping, which is we keep applying things to the land, like I want a fire pit, I need a hot tub, I need a pool, I need a evergreen screen, you know, it was like, Add 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 add, and we can all relate to this in our lives, like I'm not happy, I'll go buy new shoes, mm-hmm. you know I'm not happy, I'll dump my boyfriend and get another one like it's <laughs> just you know, so it's like we do the same thing in our lives. Mm-hmm. The next thing I was seeing was something that I called deadscaping, and this was when we were doing everything as an applique, so um you know, things were getting added into the landscape almost topically. And nothing had access to the life-giving properties of nature. Mm. And we can see this in our personal lives, right? Like, had a little bit too fun of a night the night before, and we got circles. So we use a little makeup, hide that up, and you know, we're good to go. But are we healthy? We might look healthy, but not healthy. Mm. So I was seeing deadscapes. And so I, tongue in cheek, wrote a book called stop landscaping, start life all about how to bring up uh, my practice of developing land into beautiful spaces for humans. Um, just giving it a new twist and cause clearly I landscape every day. Right. So, <laughs> so, so, but then what happened that was really interesting was that I started to realize that this wasn't just a landscape thing. Mm-hmm. This was a life thing. This is and in particular It was a way to look at being an entrepreneur. And because I've been self-employed for so long, I have a degree in entrepreneurship. um, I started to apply the exact same tenets, right? So the tenets of Lifescape are we need organization, we need true health, and then we need like what I call wow factor. That's where vitality comes through health. Uh, not everybody's sense of organization is the same. Not everybody's sense of health is the same. Not everybody's sense of wow is the same, but the tenants hold and you need them in the land to work with nature, but you also need them in your body, Mm -hmm. right? You need them in your business. And so the Lifescape coach was born out of that. And for eight years, I've been coaching small maker businesses, mostly in the trades, to help them become embodied entrepreneurs, and you know, I call my ra- my journey rage to realization because I was a tra- really traumatized, angry young person, and uh, and so the truth is, there's a lot of contractors that that have that same mm-hmm. you know kind of story, and so it really was about how to navigate toward self employment through self-employment, and then beyond
0: Mm -hmm.
1: um, as a human being. And that is (laughs) Lifescaping.
0: I love that. Well, when I went through it and looked through all of your wonderful things, Lifescaping was a brand new term to me. I know you said it wasn't when you really started getting into it, but Mm -hmm. I was already like, oh my gosh, I can't wait to talk about this because it was such a new way to look at it. So before we do even jump into more like the business and that Lifescaping, what got you into landscaping? Like what was that Like, yeah. so,
1: um, I tell the story in, um, the beginning of my book, you know, I was literally a lost teenager. So I, um, I grew up in a broken home and, you know, trauma and, uh, my father's from the middle East. He's an immigrant. Um, I lived in Europe for a while. My first language was French, like just, you know, just a lot of like, I had no roots. I literally, no pun intended. Um, but I just I had no roots. Now my parents loved me, good family, like all of that. But there was um, you know, some long-term sort of familial ab- abuse that happened, and and you know, I just didn't know. I didn't know. I didn't know. I mean, I got to senior year and didn't realize I was supposed to have taken the SATs. I hadn't gone and looked at colleges, and I did that like at a mad rush at the end. Um and I just didn't know what I wanted to do. So I was working in a clothing store. I was a dancer uh, growing up and uh, ballet and jazz. Uh, I was before hip hop. I would have loved to have done that. Um, You still can. I still can. Right. (laughs) And um, yeah. So a guy, just one of my guy friends, I was at a community college. um, I was grumbling about how much I hated my work and I had no life and whatever. And he's like, you should come work with us. You know, we're working outside. It's on Saturday. It was in the spring. It might've been like late April or something. I can't remember. It was before school was out. And um, I just, I had no idea what he was saying to me. He's like, yeah, we're going to mulch and do a spring cleanup. I'm like, yeah, what is that? I don't even know what that is right over my head. Um, But I went and ultimately sunny day, kind of cool. I was shoveling mulch. I was bodybuilding at the time. So it was like, oh my gosh, I get to like, I loved going to the beach. I'm like, I get to be out in the sun. Mm -hmm. I get to train and I'm being paid for this. This is can't be real. And that was it. I went home. I was happier than I think my mom had seen me in forever. Mm -hmm. And I told her I loved it. She knew people and connected me with a landscape architect who connected me with a designer who ended up being my mentor. And I'm telling you, Shauna, I never looked back. Like I would love to tell you that I had this like really smart plan and knew what I was doing. I totally didn't. I just kept following these like little threads that made me feel joy mm-hmm. and less messed up. Mm-hmm. And it just seemed that this particular industry was like a really, really good fit for me. Um, and and then I just became voraciously hungry and Learned wherever I could.
0: I love that. I think it's so important too to recognize that so many people feel like there needs to be an exact journey or they need to have every step to know where they're going. And that's really not the case. Like, even with my photography business, I loved it. But even as a young person, I was like, well, this can't be a business. So I'll just keep doing it because I enjoy it. But I have no idea where it's that trajectory of where it's going to go. So uh, I love that and hearing that because. It's just those little steps, like you said, and taking the threads and the opportunities. And all of a sudden you're a lot further than you thought just by taking those. So that's Uh incredible.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I imagine for your story that, you know, people probably said to you, oh, you need a real job. Like you can't be a photographer. (laughs) Like people would say that to me all the time. So when are you getting a real job? And I'm thinking to myself, as I just put 10 hours in, worked my ass off. I'm like, I think I just did a real job. But it.
0: Yeah. (laughs) So I I think, uh, I get it more now from people who don't know me. I was very lucky. My mom never said a word as far as you can't, or maybe get a real job, or she saw me struggling and she never tried to intervene that she just was like, you can do it. And that was it. There was no either way, which was good for me in the long run, but I still get it today. And I'm 35 and they'll be like, (laughs) Oh, you know, something will stick. And I'm like, this is Maybe. my, this full time. This is what's stuck, you know, <laughs> <laughs> this isn't uncle. What's his face who sometimes like to shoot, you know? So, right. um, but that's all right. Can you kind of touch on a few of the important things when it comes to life scaping, like some important things that you encourage people when it comes to life scaping?
1: Yes. So again, I always lean on these three tenets of organization, health, and wow factor. And I think one of the things that happens so often with entrepreneurs is they do end up in a situation of the tail wagging the dog. Mm-hmm. And this happens, you know, specifically when they start becoming successful. Um, and so I I often have to kind of dial people back into themselves, and that's why. I talk a lot about being an embodied entrepreneur because we can we almost have these out-of-body experiences where we're freaking out and burning the candle. Never mind both ends, like it's like seven wicks on that candle. And um, and so one of the very first steps is to start the very beginning practices of Mm self-awareness. And that is really hard. It took me a long time. Like it took me a long time to understand I was being fueled by anger. And I'm not saying that anger is bad because it's an amazing fuel, but anger is like willpower, Mm -hmm. right? You get it in short bursts. It's like adrenaline. You get it in short bursts and it's supposed to get you out of danger. That's the point of willpower. It's a point of anger. It's the point of adrenaline. But if you run your whole life using those as your fuel sources, of course, you're going to get burned out. Of course, you're going to be the contractor with this hair on fire all the time. And when you add to that, that the people I generally work with are folks who are very heart-centered. They are interested in triple bottom line impact. And so they're the kind of people that are really thinking about the planet. They're very interested in human beings. And it would be really cool if they were making a profit, right? So, but they will not choose profit if it degrades the environment or undermines and injures people. Mm -hmm. Like they just can't, they can't not do it. The problem with that is it breeds altruism and altruism then breeds money is bad. Mm -hmm. And then you have these people that won't market themselves. They won't be visible. And so the beginning of life scaping is understanding very much that put the oxygen mask on you first, because you can't help anybody if you're oxygen deprived. So that first look into the mirror can be kind of creepy and uncomfortable, but... Little by little I will get permission. And I do this in my company too. So, you know, I run a multi-million dollar landscape company, which is big for a landscape company and not popular or common for a woman. Mm -hmm. So the I run my entire business like that, and my management team gets that same life-scape mentoring from me as my coaching clients do. And I cannot help somebody work better and have a better experience and learn to tap into joy if they won't look in the mirror. Yes. Yep. I I can't, like I'm literally powerless because ultimately seeking outwardly will never get you, you know, the riches and the, all the abundance you want. You have to seek inwardly and for the outward to sort of almost magically align for you. Um, So that's the biggest hurdle and that's the place to
0: start. Oh, there are so many things. I was taking notes while you were (laughs) speaking and you said so many wonderful things. One thing that it sparked um, a quote from, I believe it was Ed Milette, and you said it was the anger was almost a catalyst to where you got. And something he has spoken about is what got you to where you are, isn't going to get you where you want to be. Oh, that's and- Marshall.
1: That's Marshall. Marshall. Oh, I know exactly what you're saying. Like, do yes, do a whole coaching thing. We'll got you
0: here. We'll get you there. Yes. Is, yeah. It's, it's incredible to think of because we so want to, and it, I know that you've worked on this so much, but so many people want to hold on to the thing that got them to the place thinking like, this is the only reason I got here. And that self-awareness is huge to realize, no, it might've helped me or not hindered me completely, but where I want to go has got to look differently. If I want to be bigger and better and look inwardly and, and thrive and not just survive that way. And, oh my gosh, there are just so many wonderful <laughs> things. The other thing you said was to look inwardly. And something I wrote down before we started speaking was when I noticed for myself, the more that I led from the inside out, leading myself with clarity and purpose, working on myself, the more my business grew intentionally and leading from a place of, and I know you've talked about this, is leading from a place of compassion. Mm -hmm. And can you speak on that part a little bit as well as leading from compassion?
1: Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Like, so again, I mean, you know this, I've heard, I've heard you talk about this on your podcast that like, if you can't, if you can't like even just in the one you just did on resting, like you are not going to. It's like if you ran your car all the time, and you never shut it off, it would wear out sooner. The parts would just wear out. Like you have to rest. And rest is an act of compassion mm-hmm. and it's an act of compassion to yourself. And so, again, it all has to start inwardly. But the very interesting thing about it is that, especially in my world, so I work with tough people, mm-hmm. I work with people you know, who are, you know, self-proclaimed badasses, they're they're ballsy, they can like do anything, fix anything. You know, it's just there's a mentality. And I spent a long time embodying that mentality because I thought that was how I had to be. Mm -hmm. And what I now look at is the fact that if we look at the masculine and feminine principles, so not girls and boys, but the masculine and feminine principles, Mm -hmm. it is so necessary for them both to be in in unison, in, in the same room at the same time, swirling around each other like a yin yang symbol. And when we lean in too much, like I was literally trying to develop my masculine energy so much that I was seeing this receding of my feminine energy. I had no compassion for that energy. I would literally look at, you know, women and certain feminine behaviors and be like, yeah, that Mm -hmm. sucks, you know, and I just hated it. And, but then realized well, geez. So I'm hating on a whole half of my being a whole important part of my presence. And so again, that embodiment is like taking all the disparate parts that have gone all over the place, um, and trying to integrate them. I, um, am on the early journeys of teaching yoga. I've been studying yoga for decades, but I just started teaching and it's really interesting because the beginning practice of yoga is called integration. And what we're trying to do when you get on your mat is you're actually trying to pull all your parts back together Mm -hmm. (laughs) and reintegrate uh, all of those layers of you from the very, very, very deep sort of inner spirit that we kind of get disconnected from and that frenetic ego that's all over the place and bring it all together so that we're integrated. You cannot do that without compassion because a lot of those parts are hurting. A lot of those parts are angry. A lot of those parts are, you know, have Tourette syndrome and say really awful things in your head. And if you decide that you're going to kick those things out, you're kicking out one of your children, right? Mm -hmm. Instead, it's learning to embrace all of that. And so I really do think that, yes, we need to be compassionate for our fellow man and to nature and all of that. But again, it's about integrating all of the fragmented parts of us Mm -hmm. that get fragmented throughout the day, the week, the month. Um, through the your interaction in community, because community is fragmented right now. Um, so I really believe that's where compassion starts. And it's really about kind of settling your judge a little bit uh, so that the judge can still be in the room, but doesn't get to be so vocal.
0: Right, right. There was kind of some thoughts along that of even like hustle and compassion for yourself that way that I... It kind of triggered that thought of I've been trying to apply in my business, especially over the last few, few years, seeing those seasons of hustle. And I know there that for myself, busy, busyness, and I wasn't being intentional in that hustle. And so being intentional about the steps I was taking for growth for myself, I really have had to sit back. And look at the things that I truly want. And one reason we start a business is for freedom. And for many, it leads to more hours and more work and less compassion for ourselves and for others because we have to continue to go until there's that burnout. And now that I've been in business long enough and have really done that self-awareness work on myself, I've learned that it has to be more intentional and less burnout. So how can we heal then from burnout and also guide ourselves in a way that doesn't continue that burnout process to happen and business owners to feel.
1: Mm. I love what you said about seasons of hustle,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, because I do think hustle culture is, uh, it, it really has created a very negative ripple effect. Um, but what I love what you said is you, you combined it with season and called it seasons of hustle. So I'm a landscape professional. <laughs> Spring is intense. Mm-hmm. It's really intense. And Um, the, the joke is it's called the hundred days of hell. (laughs) Okay. And if you know that there's a season in your business, that's a hundred days of hell, how interested are you going to be in even doing that or staying in that or starting that? So I decided I needed to change the terminology because our words have power. And one of the most important things that I do with, uh, I, so I record all of our coaching calls And then, you know, I do a lot of, I do one-on-ones with my team, but then we do group sessions where we're working and we're working using language because that's how we communicate. But then we're determining what language is okay and what language is actually detrimental. And so saying that we have a hundred days of hell is, is really putting Mm -hmm. a negative spin on uh, a reality of an industry. So I decided, oh, well, let's call it the hundred day marathon instead. So we use that for a while. Um, and I'm not a runner. I have asthma, which I have very well in check because I'm healthy and do yoga and all that, but I still don't really want to run a marathon. I have no interest in ever running a marathon. Kudos to all the people who can. I am in awe. So I'm like, why would I choose that word? And then I started studying scrum and agile and learned the term sprint and now we do sprints. So it is so much more positive because I can totally run fast for a short period of time. And I'm very good at passing a baton if I have like a really awesome teammate. Um, I love collaborative work and I love to work hard, fast, I intense. Like I love that. I'm great under pressure. But if it's a marathon, all I can feel is exhaustion. Mm-hmm. If it's a sprint, now I'm like, I'm going to bolt and then I'm going to stop. And I think that speaks a little bit to your last podcast about rest, about, mm-hmm. you know, including play in it, because that's so important because it isn't just about sleeping. Mm-hmm. It's about living fully embodied as a human being, which is doing all of the things that you would do. So I really think that the the mistake around burnout is the, what I see as the opposite energy, which is this quiet quit, which you hear about all over the place, which is both a a hyper negative as well as considered a positive. So if I quiet quit, I say, well, I work between these hours and you can't talk to me outside these hours versus, you know, which can be a positive. I'm creating boundaries. Right. uh, Versus the quiet quit, which is I'm just doing the bare minimum and then I'm getting out of here, which is really negative mm-hmm. for both the individual and the, and the person. And that has been, I think, the knee-jerk response to burnout. I think instead we need to look at our seasons, mm-hmm. look at what does your work require? What does your family require? What does your health and well-being require? And then allow yourself to, you know, nature is brilliant.
0: Mm -hmm. She
1: created seasons, even in places where the seasons don't seem so defined as here in in New England and Massachusetts, but there are seasons, there are, you know, these emerging and then evolving moments. Mm -hmm. If you can look at your business that way and you can use the word sprint and put it into these sprints, what we do is we have sprints and then we have transition sprints. So the sprint is to do a certain kind of work. And then the transition is to move out of that work and into the next work so that we're prepped. And then we run again. Mm-hmm. And as human beings, we work much better when we can see the horizon and know that we can get there. When the horizon, when you're told that the horizon is something you will never reach, yet yeah, we burn out. Yeah, we're like, yeah, I, I can't do that.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. There was something I used to always be hustle burnout and I was not ever feeling refreshed. And so in the past few years, I started looking at my seasons, both weekly, daily, monthly, like how my hormones interact, all of those things, Mm -hmm. but then yearly. And it really went back to seasons for me. As a photographer, it happened to line up with those seasons where, yes, I start to absorb and change and move in January, and then I start to apply and have all those projects. And then I do have a busy season, but then there comes a rest season as well. And in each of those seasons, including rest, it was vitally important for my business growth, which if you would have told me that 13 years ago, I would have said, absolutely not. Like you can't rest. There's no growth in that. And that's when you actually become creative and peaceful and rejuvenated and you're ready to absorb. And it has just been such growth for me and also giving myself compassion that we've talked about too. And I am not burnt out. There are days we're all gonna feel overwhelmed, but overall, I wanna continue because I've set my seasons up in a way where I understand each of these help me. So it's been such a huge thing.
1: Yeah, and I think we need to align, um, like we need to we need to embrace fatigue mm. um as messaging. Uh and so we as as biological beings, we actually have these biological needs that um our entire system is set up to give us sel- ourselves indications. So fatigue, like one of the things I heard one of your um, guests say, which I loved, she said something like, you know, if it's four 30 and I'm, done, I'm going to be done because I'm tired and I'm not going to spend another half an hour starting something new or pushing through something that I can't get done in a half an hour. Right. I'd rather just be done at four 30. Mm-hmm. And so like one of the things we had to normalize here, and we're working on big time now early in my career. So landscapers tend to work six to seven days a week, 10 hours a day. Like they just, because make hay while the sun shines, right. The farmer mentality, um, And so I said, only five days, I'm not working the weekend. So I was, people would tell me I'm never going to make it. Um, and so now, and, but we were doing 50 to 55 hour weeks, sometimes more. Um, I mean, I would sometimes do 70 hour weeks. Uh, And now what we're doing, what we're onboarding this year is everybody's working a 40 hour work week, which for some people they're trying to get away from a 40 hour work week, a 40 hour work week for us is going to feel like vacation time. Mm -hmm. And so trying to do these things that your industry tells you, you can't do because you can't be successful when you do them are the kinds of things that really activate me because I want to see the industry evolve and move out
0: of entrenchment. Right. Um, and the only way to do that is to try scary things.
1: <laughs> yes.
0: I I really appreciate what you said about boundaries too, because so many people feel th- they think a lot about what other people are going to think of them and setting those boundaries. And really when you're setting those boundaries, most people don't care your customers and clients. They don't even think about it and they, they don't care about those boundaries as far as you set them. That's just how it is. Of course, there's going to be people asking questions. Can you do it this way? Can you move around? But In our values and boundaries, it just becomes so much more apparent that we can continue to succeed as long as we have those set up. So how can a business then communicate those values in a way that attracts the clients and employees that we are ideal client and employees? The very best
1: way. So values are tricky, right? Because uh, it feels very buzzwordy, very, um, you know, look at, I'm an entrepreneur. I have a purpose, mission, statement and values, you know? Right. And um, so I think uh, the most important thing, this was transit, a real big transition for me is that it is your business. If you are the founder, your job is to set the values that are in alignment with the impact and influence that you want to have with your business so that you can inspire people to work for you or hire you. Mm -hmm. So that is difficult to do when you say accountability, um, honesty, uh, you know, whatever, like it's because they don't translate to anything. Right. So what I do when we do values work is you may say that something like, so for me, planet, environment, nature was, was really like, I really value nature. I spend a lot of time in nature, but like telling somebody that a value was nature, like, I don't get it. Right. right? So we are, we are eco-minded friends of nature and the way that shows up is on a daily basis, I ask, am I improving nature or am I creating kind of like a, a neutral, no, you know, not changing, not making waves or am I creating a detriment? So every activity has to, you have to ask through that lens. Mm-hmm. And then you do the same thing we for people. Am I acting in kindness is my interaction with this person improving their situation, keeping it neutral or degrading? Mm-hmm. If we ask in the, in, through that lens, every single of the things, every single one of the things we say is a value, then you're able to teach people the curiosity method to be able to behave within those values. Because a lot of times people don't know, they don't know what that looks like. Right. It's just a word on the wall. Absolutely. Um, so that's how we do it here at the garden continuum. And that's how I do it as the Lifescape coach, because I'm often working with people to re recreate the foundations of their business, because oftentimes I'm meeting them. They're already 10 years in, mm-hmm. you know, they, they, they're already high six figures. They may be seven figures and they're falling apart because they are so busy so we've got to like dial it back, um, and that's how we talk about it.
0: It sparked something that I'm sure you've heard. It's very well known. It's about the the values and how you fit your time in an empty jar. So you have an empty jar, and your values whether that's relationships, your friendships my dog sitting over here, whatever that looks like, those are the rocks and you have to put those in first and then it's filled up. And you said, okay, well now you have all the other things that are important, whether it's work or house chores, you know, whatever that is. And you still have room for the sand and the sand is less important and it looks like it's filled up, but really you still have room for the water. That is the least important things that sometimes have to get done. And there's still room for that. And what I like to look at values that way is if you don't put the big rocks in first, you actually don't have time for them. You, you don't have room for them in that jar if you fill it with just other things, work chores that aren't your values or say that. And it's really helped me in business be like, I've always said my value is, you know, relationship with my boyfriend, um, time to work on my health and relationships with friends, but I wasn't putting those in first. And so I never had time for them. And that's just how I've kind of been thinking about the values in my life as well. Just,
1: yeah, I love that. It reminds me of the, um, you know, how have you ever seen the chart? It's like a big wheel with a bunch of spokes and each section is, you know, work relationship, family, friends, friends. Um, spirituality finances. So oh, I forget what the other ones this is like, there's like mm-hmm. nine or eight or 10 or something. And like, you can do an assessment and it'll push out like one element of the, the mm. spokes to show where like, you're over, you're overvaluing. So like, for me, work would be this big, huge tumor yeah. and then everything else would be all little. Right. So it was, it was really learning how to, how to create that balance. And like, I'm not perfect. I still, you know, I've raised children. I, you know, I'm sort of learning this whole, like what an empty nest looks like. And my husband and I sometimes look at each other and we're like, who are you? Like, I don't even know what do we, you know? So you realize that as, as life evolves, mm-hmm. those, the, it's not so much that the values change, but the priorities within the values change and part of the life scape method in landscape development that moved into business development is the idea that we move from a verge emerging to evolving, and then we inadvertently get entrenched. So then we have to work on our entrenchment. We have to unlearn some things. We've got to upskill in some areas. Um, we've got to let go of the past, and then we now we begin to emerge anew. Mm-hmm. Um, my husband and I just did a whole three month journey on reimagining our relationship. We've been married twenty five years and now have an empty house a lot of the time. And it's like, uh, what worked when we were 30 ain't gonna work now. Mm-hmm. So um, I think that's critical, that we just have to be okay with the priorities within those values and maybe even those values to shift a little. And we can oftentimes think that we're putting, like we're driving like a a, a mile long stake into the ground, we can't pull it up. Um, we need to allow ourselves to be evolutionary beings. Otherwise, I don't know. I think that leads to burnout too.
0: Yeah. Oh, you're absolutely right. And I think that goes back to that self-awareness too. It's always the reflection of life is in a different place. So what are my values now? And what things do I need to prioritize and be intentional about? And it's going to look different, whether it's the time of year or even a completely different year, a decade from now. Uh, also, congratulations to 25 years being married. That's huge. Yes. <laughs> Want to make sure to go back to that. Yeah. Incredible. <laughs> yes. And back to something you said near the beginning of the conversation was that the work that you're in is of course male dominated. Yeah. And I would love to hear more about in a usually more male dominated community or workplace, how can women really break in and thrive in those? And and not just go and steer towards just that male energy that you talked about, but really have both too. Can you talk on that?
1: Yeah, I, I absolutely can. And I think that it's um it's a it's a two-tiered answer. So one of the tiers in that answer is how how women are looking at themselves, why they're making a choice to be in an industry like that, you know, what is the impact and influence that they're trying to create within their own lives, whether they're opening their own business or working for a company. Um, I also believe that clarity around healthy boundaries is really, really important. Women often want to be liked. I mean, everybody wants to be liked, but women tend to lean toward that a little bit more than men. But I will tell you, I coach a lot of men and the men that I coach are all very, very heart-centered. They're very caring, kind, beautiful men, and they are being as injured by the male dominance as the women are. So when I think about a male-dominated industry, I I think of an industry that has been predominantly um, populated by human beings that identify as male and um, uh, who have a very um, kind of warrior energy. So they very much are... um, they, they can go out and make the kill. Right. So, uh, and I, and I can't say that that's negative. That is a thing, but what happens is in that, um, in that arena, it will actually degrade men as much as it will degrade women. Mm -hmm. And so initially when I first got into the industry, I just acted like a guy. You know, I drove a truck. I never carried a purse. I had my keys on my belt, which I still have a keys on my belt all the time. (laughs) But, you know, Mm -hmm. and I everybody knows I'm coming. Um, (laughs) but uh and and I just kept trying to emulate like what a guy would do, the way a guy would act. But I started to lose myself. So the thing that I would tell women is that most importantly, you have to understand why you want to be in the industry in the first place. Like that's really important. If you want to be a pipe bender you know, in um, the electrical union, like go like, go right ahead and do it, but understand why you're doing it. Um, And then go as your whole self. And the damaging thing about that advice is most people aren't walking around feeling like their whole self. Mm -hmm. So instead, what I try to do is tell people as part of your journey, do the work to become whole, Mm -hmm. because that's what's going to help you stand up to people that misbehave and it's not always men, because I will tell you being in this industry, what I learned is that the other women that were doing exactly what I was doing were very intent on me not getting ahead because you can't have another woman in the room. So women are pretty terrible. And so I think that vilifying men is dangerous. Mm -hmm. Instead, it's really about knowing exactly why you want to be in a certain industry that happens to be predominantly populated that people identify as male and then understand what beautiful masculine energy are you bringing? Because if you want to be in construction, trust me, you, are, you got some serious masculine energy in that soup and that's awesome. If you can bring your feminine power there, every one of those men has feminine energy. We all have both. Mm-hmm. Your job is to spark their feminine energy. That's where their creativity will come. And that's where their, their true power is in the feminine energy. And so, you know, the fight energy is a very different energy. And, um, that's like staking a claim energy. That's, that's not power, you know, of fluidity. And so I really think that the way women do their very best is to begin to build a community around you of people who want to be balanced mm-hmm. in both of those energies and it's remarkable because when you walk into a room that way it might feel repelling at first but i i could share so many stories of how i've been repelled and resisted and in the end of the project or whatever like we're all hugging and mm-hmm. love just love each other and we're just like oh i hope we get to work together again and it's just fabulous. And I really believe that
0: women and men both can do that. Mm-hmm. I really like what you said about us having both feminine and, and masculine energy, because I truly believe that too. And there's some things in my, in life where I tend to lean more masculine energy, whether that's in the gym or bodybuilding or powerlifting, not necessarily that's just masculine, but that's the I idea that people have around it. And then there's a lot of things that I lean into my feminine energy and I love both because I can come from what's a, I don't want to say that being emotional versus logical is necessarily one or the other, but we tend to think they're one or the other. And I really like using both. I like finding my emotions for one. Am I being logical for an answer? And they're both vitally important to work together to get to that solution. So I really love what you said about that too, and, mm. and how important it is. And that's really how we connect with anyone else as well is using both of those and, and figuring yeah. them out.
1: So. Yeah and you know the, just another little thing i say cuz i i know this is going long but is that it's not an either or mm-hmm. right it's a yes and all mm-hmm. the time both things are both they're both on the plate and when i want to really move into my compassion and my ability to tap into my emotions I may be super tapping into my femininity and that's awesome. Mm -hmm. And when I want to feel strong and capable and like, I can like literally just crush whatever I want to crush at that moment, I may be really churning my masculine energy. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. But I never need to say, well, I need my feminine energy to become logical and my masculine energy to become, like like yin-yang, if if you take that black and white yin-yang, you know, if you take that and you start to blur it all, It's just a big gray blob. Mm -hmm. You actually need to have very solid differentiation between the masculine and the feminine. It's really important. And how you wield the energy within you, which has nothing to to do with how you identify sexually or gender. That doesn't matter. No matter how you identify, you have masculine and feminine energy. Yes. Yeah. right. Mm
0: -hmm. Right.
1: You know, so, so the beautiful thing about it is it's, it's a power move that you can use all the time to help yourself. Be embodied and grounded. Mm -hmm. And that's how you navigate male dominated industries, female dominated industries, (laughs) political arenas, you know, religious arenas. Like that's how you navigate any arena that feels like it's hyper focused on one thing, right? And not become off balance as you go in there using all of your natural power of balance and groundedness. And then you can kind
0: of handle any storm. Yeah. It kind of reminds me just quick of the brain and how we use that. And, you know, some people say they're left or right brained and, Mm -hmm. and whether it's creative or they're better at math or however they think that way. But really, if you can break into honing in on using both for different things, like that's the most important, you can be creative and run a very strict boundary ridden business and you can have freedom, but still rigid deadlines and, and what that looks like. And the same goes for feminine and masculine energy to really encompass all of the power that you have is to use both just like that brain too. Yeah.
1: And using both at one time or another, because I can't be both all the time. That's that, 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 you know, kind of trick of multitasking. Our brain is a switching engine. It's not a multitasking engine. So um, like for instance, I need people to do certain things in my company because I would be working in my incompetence or just merely in my competence and what I need to be doing is always working at least in my excellence, if not in my genius. Mm-hmm. If I'm in my genius, I can't also be in my competence. So I hire somebody to work in that competency. So the other thing is to own what we are naturally compelled to do mm-hmm. in the most joyful way, in the most flow, and then hire people to do everything else. Yes. You, know, you really do not need to be a jack of all trades. You need to just really and honor that thing that is your most comfortable thing. And that takes, I mean, that takes years. Nobody is going to like say, okay, so let me look at your, you know, your business plan. Uh, what's your zone of genius? Well, I don't know. I've only been in business for like a half a second. I <laughs> need more time. So you've got to give yourself the, the runway to be able to learn yourself. And that's why I think entrepreneur uh, entrepreneurship is a long game. It's not a flash in the pan, get rich quick. It's a lifestyle.
0: right. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Especially in business. I think of the things that I am great at, or I need to show up in, I can be phenomenal at if I work at them, but the things I'm just terrible at will never be more than I'm good at them, even if I work really hard. And that's okay. I'm not supposed to work really hard at those things. I can still work at them, but know that it will never be that phenomenal thing in that zone of genius. So I really like that.
1: Yeah, that's one of the rocks you actually want to take out of the jar and throw away. You're like, that can go in someone else's
0: jar. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) so I just have three more kind of quicker questions for you and then we'll kind of wrap up. So first one is, aside from your book, which we'll talk about in a second, what's a book that you're loving lately?
1: Ooh, well- Uh, I'm reading a lot of yoga books right now. Um, Mm. and so, uh, I think, uh, gosh, what's, which book would I say that I love right now? I am reading a book on mantra, which is really very, very cool. It's about the the yoga of sound or the power of sound which really moves in also into the power of our voice and our word and you being a podcaster um you get this totally that listening to people talk and speaking speaking with clarity speaking with conviction um that is a practice we don't come out of the womb knowing how to even talk so we're learning our whole lives how to use our voice and this mantra practice is really quite beautiful because it talks about using your voice as a tuning fork. You really are using it to level up the vibration within your own body and your chakras, if you believe in that, and really the the larger energy around you. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, if you are using your words to complain, to blame, to shame you are attracting all of that to you. And so I'm really loving the book. It's definitely a spiritual practice, um, but I tend to weave all of the yoga learning that I'm doing into how to be a gardener of people, how to work in my company as a leader and as an employer.
0: Um, So yeah, I'm loving that one right now. I love that. Second question, if you could go back and start over in business or near the start of business, what's one or two things that you would integrate in business sooner? Oh, I would have,
1: I would have definitely pursued yoga earlier because it's a great teaching. And I think I would have grown up a little bit faster. So that's number one. Uh, and number two, I think I would not have been, I would, I would have encouraged my younger self to be less afraid of being a woman. Mm -hmm. Um, I, yeah, I just, um, I thought it was a weakness to be a woman and, and that was, uh that, that wasted a lot of, I mean, I learned a lot, so I'm not going to say it was, it didn't teach me, but I certainly wasted a lot of time wanting to be something that I wasn't.
0: Mm-hmm. And any advice to those listening who might be overwhelmed or the things that we talked about, about burnout that we can practically do to help that stress in the moment?
1: Yeah. One of the first exercises that I give to people who are really burned out and kind of have their hair on fire um, one of the first exercises I give them is that they, uh, need to look at their week and they need to design their week. Um, and I think this is a really important and not like, what are you doing next week? I don't mean that way. It's like your ideal week design, your ideal week. So it's taking a step back and trying to, um, introduce yourself to yourself through the lens of your desire, your, the lens of your need. And usually we don't design like a hair on fire a week we design a week that implements um, things that fuel us up. Cause most of the people that I work with are intensely passionate about the work they do. So it's not like they design a work a week that had no work. Right. Um, so it's not designing a vacation week. It's not designing you know, uh, a high sale week. It's not. It's not that. It's designing a week where you can actually be a whole human being and look at what that looks like, mm-hmm. and trying to take each of those elements like um, exercise, uh, sleep, mm-hmm. um, eating, um, playing, like you said, mm-hmm. resting, and your work, your passion. You know what you love, and and design it, and it, and then we review it, and it's really eye opening. Um, because you start to get a sense of what the target is. Uh, and then somewhere the work, uh, whether you work with a coach and whether, or whether you just work on this on your own, the, t- the target then becomes how big is the gap between that and what you're doing right now. And what's the one thing that is a great book, a great book, the one thing, do you know that book? No, I that don't. A, so that is a great book. Uh, it was written by the last name is Keller. Okay. But, I, uh, he, uh, he's a real estate guy, uh, but it's a tiny little book, very, very easy to read because once you create that ideal thing, which may or may remember, it's not a mile long iron rod in the ground. It's just an idea. Um, then you do the one thing today that will get you one inch closer mm-hmm. to that. And we have to do small incremental moves every day little by little otherwise we will give up absolutely we
0: will give up i absolutely agree with everything that you just said i love that for so much so i don't even want to stop but i know we have to here so we okay. <laughs> find you follow you get your book and all the good things yeah so my
1: website is thelifescapecoach.com and uh, links to my book i have a shop and it has links to my book there um, if you're a business owner, especially if you're a, a maker, a trades person, you can book a free discovery call with me there. Um, I love Instagram though. I've been on hiatus, which has been really kind of great, but I do have a pretty vibrant instant Instagram, which is just fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm on a oodles of podcast, So, uh, you can always find me on different podcasts because I, as I told you, when we started, I'm just really thinking that podcasts are just the coolest thing ever and uh, so I'm practicing by being a guest.
0: Yes. I say do it, by the way. So <laughs> <laughs> You're incredible. Thank, Thank you, you so much for your time. This has been so wonderful. I've been looking forward to this conversation. So I appreciate everything. Thanks, Shana. It was great. Thank you. Okay, there are so many things that I could say that I love about the chat that we got to have. But one of the things is, this isn't just for you, but each time I get to speak with somebody, I really get so much for it too. And it's almost like my own little therapy and also hopefully helping y'all and encouraging you guys as well in business and your personal growth and going after the things you want and knowing your why. So thank you again for tuning in. And as always, keep shining. Thank you.